Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, learn how to support me through Patreon, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. Today's guest is the man, Jonathan Pakluda. I was so honored to be able to talk with this dude. He is the new pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Texas and a former pastor at The Porch, which is part of Watermark Church in Texas and is actually one of the biggest young adult ministries in the world, if not the biggest. JP's sermons are next level, and he has an incredible gift of communicating that obviously hits home and resonates with tens of thousands of people. I'll link to one of my favorite sermons of his in the show notes, which you should definitely check out. I'm stoked for you guys to listen to this, so without further ado, Jonathan JP Pakluda. JP, we are live. It is a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Absolutely, Nick. Thanks for having me on, man. Excited to be with you. I just want to say, man, and I was talking a little bit about this prior to starting to uh, record, but your sermons and and your leadership have had a huge impact on me, man. And I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. It is powerful and it is working and, and God is using you, man. Well, thank you. Thanks for that. Pray for your boy when you think about it. And man, just, just on the front lines, front lines fighting evil and, and excited to just share Jesus with the world and help everyone follow Jesus. And uh, man, uh, I'd, I'd love your prayers and thanks for the encouragement. Absolutely. You've you've undergone some significant change lately, moving from pastoring at Watermark Church in Dallas, and now you're in Waco, right, at Harris Creek. Yeah, that's right. What influenced that change and, and how were you able to discern God's will for you in all of that? So what brought about the change is there was an opportunity initially when they reached out. I said, I said, I said, no, I mean, they're fairly easily like, hey, no, not interested. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you saw a need. And I mean, my 10 year old daughter, honestly, one day we were driving back, uh, had taught at this church and she was just like, daddy, of course, you got to be their pastor. And I was like, well, why would you say that? And she was like, well, because they don't have a pastor. Initially, they had asked. They had asked if I could cover like some some speaking in, in the absence of a pastor, and I I couldn't really even do that because the schedule was so jam packed. So I had referred some guys. I said, "Hey, I can help you fill the dates," and um, and I, I took one of them, and so I came down here for that one date, and that's when my daughter said that she was just like, "Of course, you got to be their pastor because they don't have one, and you're a pastor. Watermark has lots of pastors," and I, I've seen these guys. You know, I've seen guys maintain the pulpit for too long um just in other places like i've had friends kind of move 
to cities for jobs to kind of be successor. And I just looked around me and I'm like, man, I've got a really capable leader ahead above me. I've got a really capable leader below me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, am I just like holding people back where I'm at? And I love the porch. I love what I get to do. But how do I know that I'm not, you know, holding on to it too long? And, and I, you know, God doesn't need my platform. He doesn't need the porch. And so what does it look like to be just be faithful? And I think that's the, the answer to the second question. You know, how do we discern God's will? I think a lot of times we, we can be a little narcissistic as to think, you know, God has this really narrow will for us and that he can only use us in certain ways, in certain cities, in certain places. And I think God wants, you know, as I read the scriptures, I think God wants faithfulness from us. Like he wants us to be faithful with whatever we have in front of us and, and uh, you know, to go where there's a need and to be faithful in that need. And he's not thinking necessarily you know he doesn't measure faithfulness the way we do with like the size of the church or the size of the influence or the number of instagram likes or followers or whatever that is and and so he's very otherworldly you know he's supernatural and so what does it look like just to to follow him in faithfulness Mm, that's good man just to give me some context here because I'm, i'm just ignorant to harris creek you were at the porch which is arguably one of the biggest young adult ministries in the entire world. And what is the size comparison to Harris Creek? Is that a mega church, a big church or? Man, Harris Creek is a, is a church of, I mean, today, uh, about, you know, 1500 people in a cornfield in, in McGregor, Texas, not even in Waco. And so we have a campus in Waco. Um, but it's, it's really outside of Waco and, uh, and so I, I don't know what the measurement of a mega church is, but but no, I wouldn't think. I mean, compared to Watermark, which was like twenty thousand, um, you know, we're fifteen hundred people right now and growing, and and uh, there's the people out here in Waco are amazing. I mean, they you know they they want to love Jesus, they want to follow Him, and uh, they're responding well to the call to do that. And um, we got Baylor out here, you know, yeah. a large Baptist university, and. Um, just trying to yeah, identify who are the folks that are serious about following Jesus and let's go, man, let's change the world. Man, that's awesome. Was pride trying to creep in and, and say, man, you got to stay here because you're, you're the rock star here essentially. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's not just, I don't think it's even the size of the ministry It's more the national influence of the porch. You know, it has 13 campuses around the country, uh, thousands of people that meet every week in Dallas and uh and it's just such so much of who i am i mean that's what Mm -hmm. that's why people want me to write books and that's why people want me to speak at their you know their event or their conference or whatever because i'm the i'm the young adult guy Mm -hmm. and so i yeah the questions are in the flesh it's like man if i give that up are those opportunities still going to come and uh and you know are people still gonna you know like me It's it's essentially the question because we're all slaves to the approval of people yeah and uh, and especially me, especially I am. But uh, it's something, you know, that I have to fight. And really, this was just kind of the next the next um, blast in the battle, you know, is the next defense uh, against this is like, OK, am I am I willing to, to walk away from that and and just be faithful? Man, that's super admirable. If you don't mind jumping back a bit, can you share your personal story of, of how you came to faith? Yeah, I was raised. I was raised in a um, in a God fearing home. My dad was Catholic and my mother was Lutheran, and they just they went to church, separate churches every Sunday. And I never even really knew that was weird till after I left. But uh, I was 
uh, I was Catholic with my father, went to Catholic, uh, school for nine years. And, um, when I got to high school, just like real identity crisis, man, I, I just wanted to fit in and be liked and, mm-hmm. and, um, just trying to, uh, you know, make, make friends, find my place in the world, if you will. And in that experiment with a, a lot of, you know, with drugs and with just, just kind of different identities. I don't know mm-hmm. how to say that. I've always found identity in, in my relationships with girls and always had a girlfriend and, uh, uh went to college and went to a two year technical college. And I always say I crammed in four years of partying in the two years and <laughs> was, was, uh, you know, addicted to sex and pornography and, um, they say drug, sex, and rock and roll. In my case, of drug, sex, and hip hop, and and didn't really go to church in college because I thought God was this like police officer in the sky that just wanted to get me for all the wrong I had done. Yeah. And uh, and so after college, I moved to Dallas and moved five times, all within one mile of the bar scene and the club scene there because that's that's where my that was my church. That's where I loved. I just loved to party and go out and drink and whatnot and hook up with girls. And I was at this bar 17 years ago, and someone invited me to Watermark. And I went hung over, sat in the back row, smelled like smoke from the night before and uh, began to wrestle. You know, I've always called myself a Christian, but I've always essentially done whatever I wanted to do. And I'm like, what do I really believe about God? Like, is that do I believe there's a God? Do I believe there's a creator? And I did. But I'm like, who, who is he? You know, maybe he's the Hindu God. Maybe he's the Buddhist God, the Jewish God, the Islamic God. Because what are the odds I'd be born to the right country? Mm hmm. And, and to the right God. And uh, and so I just started studying kind of world religions and looking into, like, started this search for right, who is God. And I kept tripping over Jesus in history. And I was really blown away by the evidence that supported the historical character of Jesus Christ. And that this man born in Bethlehem, you know, this tiny little village, lived in Nazareth as a carpenter. Somehow he became the single most polarizing character in the history of history. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it about this man? I realized it's because he, he had died and come back to life. And he had done all these miracles. And, uh, you know, raised, being raised Catholic, uh, I, I had learned that you receive grace through the sacraments and, and through some works. And, and that was my understanding. And when I realized, I read Ephesians 2, 8, 9 for the first time. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God not by work so that no one can boast. I realized that it's, it's, you know, he, when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins. And the only thing that anybody can do in hell is pay for their sins forever. And if I, if, if your sins have been paid for, you don't have to pay for them. And, and Jesus had paid for my sins. I realized that on the cross. And so I was saved by his grace Mm. through faith. And when I realized that it just, it changed everything. And uh, I have a relationship with him. And it changed the way I dated, and it changed what I did for fun. It changed who I hung out with, and uh, ultimately changed what I did for a living. Amen. How did you go from being that hungover, smelling like smoke dude in the back of Watermark to leading Watermark? Yeah, well, I hope I, hope I bleed Jesus uh, even you know more than even Watermark. Watermark's just a healthy expression of the local church that I'm eternally grateful for. Uh, but, but ultimately like what I want to be about and known for is, is love, love for Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, how did that happen was the work of the Holy spirit. But, you know, as I say often to people and and did recently, you know, in in a book called welcome to adulting, uh, you know, just change your, you know, you change your playmates in your playground. And so 
I, ch- I changed who I hung out with and, and where I hung out and, and kind of replaced the bar for church and God's people. And, uh, and when you're in that soil, you grow, you know, you, mm-hmm. you begin to bloom. And, uh, so I got in with these guys that I didn't really like, you know, but they, cause they were, they were just also very different from me, but they loved God and they knew his word. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, in the midst of doing a thousand things wrong, the one thing I did rise, I showed up every Thursday and, you know, I would ask questions and they would, they would direct me to God's word. And I just couldn't believe that people actually knew what God's word said. Yeah. And, um, man is that and and so i just hung out with those guys and i began to grow and got married you know and, and just like the way i treated my wife changed they were honest with me they would call me out you know they i would i started confessing sin to them they would pray for me i started experiencing healing you know like i, I was addicted to porn and as i started confessing that um got to uh you know just got to experience healing and not not be enslaved to that anymore mm. and and so then, just in the midst of being discipled and growing in God's word and knowing what it says, I mean, I wanted I wanted to be a millionaire before I was thirty. You know, I was trying to climb the corporate ladder, and one day I was sitting at my desk and and I sent the Holy Spirit say, "You're going to come work for me now." And I didn't know what that meant. I thought just like start a nonprofit organization or something. But then five days later, five days after that, the church called, and Watermark called and said, "Hey, we have a job we want you to consider." And it was just this crazy kind of miracle. Uh, of God just orchestrating something. And so that's not completely normal. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. learned for most people, but for me, it was just like, all right, like, let's go. And, uh, and so I went in there, had no idea what I was going to do, ma- took a you know major pay cut and just started in this community position and God just blessed it. And two years later, they let me preach and then I kept preaching and then I got to, you know, lead the porch and the porch grew and, uh, man, it's just, it's just been a fun journey. Now I get to write books, you know, about mm-hmm. millennials and help people <laughs> adults and, and do podcasts like this, man. Hang out with my boy, Nick. Yeah. It's a dream. One, one of the, your best traits to me, and it seems like the world as well is, is your transparency and your willingness to be open and honest when, when you deliver sermons and messages and whatnot. Why is that important in leadership? I mean, I, th- I think it's important in like humanity. Uh, I mean, like nobody wants to wear a mask all the time. And, and, and especially in the age of social media where we're presenting the highlight reel, uh, people long for something that's real and true. And especially if you want to lead young adults, like I think we're just like, we're skeptical of things in church in general. Like, man, we grew up, if you grew up in church, you probably, your parents made you pretend to have your act together and tuck in your shirt and let's go in here and, and we're just over that, man. We want something real. Yeah. And I, I'm just not very good. I guess I, I probably am good at it, but I, I just refuse to to pretend to be someone I'm not. You mm-hmm. know. And um, I, I don't I don't want people to to hold me up to a facade standard. Like if I get up there and I pretend to have it all together, they might expect me to have it all together. And so I'd rather just tell you on the front end that I don't have it all together that I'm, I'm pretty much a mess except for God's grace and, and the way that his spirit has worked in my life and the way that he's cleaned me up. I mean, that even the good in my life is not stuff I've done or worked for. It's, it's really just what he's given me in his goodness. Every mm-hmm. good and perfect gift comes from God above mm-hmm. the father of heavenly lights, James says. And, um, and so I just, I think if you're going to lead anybody, you know, lead with the limp, 
uh, don't tell me how awesome you are. You know, tell me where you you've messed up, and I, then I can relate to you because I've messed up as well. And and people want someone who's relatable. Uh, they want to be led by someone who's relatable. Yeah, I see that in my teaching as well. I feel like one of the reasons I'm effective in what I do is that well, a I'm young, so I I can relate to the students, but also. I'm real when I when I talk about mental health or anything like that in my class I, I share with them things that I struggled with or struggle with and I don't try and say it from some holier than thou perspective or that like I have it all figured out and I try and relate to them and kind of share with them a little bit of of my brokenness or whatever it is to help communicate to them that you know it's a, it's a lifelong struggle and we're all trying to figure it out and I know that you've gotten some pushback from older generations or um, elders of the church sometimes. Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Like maybe, you know, that there's a story that I tell, uh, I was asked to speak at a seminary on how to lead young adults. And, uh, you know, as a recovering porn addict, yeah, I've had, uh, let's see, 12 years of sobriety mm. from pornography. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I was on Instagram and I clicked on a hashtag and that hashtag, uh, it was pretty innocent hashtag, but then it took me to a little a more nefar- nefarious hashtag that I should have known better. And I clicked on that at, with a sinful motivation and I saw female nudity and, um, and I, I, you know, immediately was, was just kind of overwhelmed with guilt, uh, from looking at that and seeking that out. And, uh, I had to teach the next day, I had to preach the next day at the porch and, and I just felt like a fraud, you know, you, you, the, the enemy, he's masterful at making you feel shame and mm-hmm. guilt. And, and I just, man, I didn't want to be a hypocrite and call these people to purity. And, and meanwhile, I had, uh, clicked on this hashtag on Instagram. And so before I started the sermon, I just confessed that I said, Hey guys, before I preach to you, I want you to know what I did last night. You know, I looked at something, I didn't act out on it, but I did pursue it. I did, I did, uh, I did know that I was clicking on something that was questionable and um and i'm sorry you know will you forgive me and then i preached the sermon which had nothing to do with that and afterwards it was the longest line that i'd ever seen you know people wanting to talk and just saying me too you know me too hey that's part of my story i've never heard a pastor say that me Mm. too me too and i anyway so i told that story as I was speaking to the seminary and they asked me to speak on how to influence young adults, how to lead young adults, I told that story because <laughs> uh, I was saying, making the point that you have to be honest. They're, they're hungry for authenticity. And afterwards, I got this feedback. You, you, could, you could give feedback to the speaker who is, that's, you know, I was the speaker. And, uh, and the feedback said, hey, you can't say that in a mixed gender audience. You can't use the word pornography. That's not, <laughs> that's not healthy. It said... Um, it said, you know, as a pastor, you need to present to be holy. Um, and it just said all of these things. And I just thought, you know, it's funny because they asked me to come and speak how to lead young adults. And I thought, you know, they will never lead young adults. They they just never will. Like if you think that you have to get on that stage and and present to be holy, you know, not not a, a pursuit of holiness, but but to pretend to have you have it all together you're never going to reach young adults. Like mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. And I think that's why a lot of churches aren't doing it. And yeah. because the, the leadership there wants to 
you know, pretend to have it all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's ironic that they, they ask you to speak about how to communicate and be effective. And then they give you feedback that you shouldn't do that. <laughs> doesn't make much at sense. Least, at least ironic. So you have a new podcast called Becoming Something and it's awesome. And I love how you guys are, are tackling topical issues there, especially as um, it relates to young adults. I highly encourage the listeners to check that out. Um, and I want to dive into to a couple topics here. And the first one is a buzzword right now that um, a ton of people are talking about or trying to cure and it's anxiety. So, so to you, ma'am, what is anxiety and, and what are your recommendations for people battling it? Well, what is it? You know, I, I've learned the hard way. It's, it's different than worry. So it's different than just, just having a concern about something or thinking about something. It's anxiety happens when you think, have thought about something for so long, you worried about something for so long that, um, you know, your, your brain uh, essentially or momentarily breaks uh, breaks down or you experience some sort of physical breakdown where your your arm may go numb your your heart might beat rapidly it might skip beats um, you might get stuck in some compulsive thinking uh, some loops you know that you can't get out of your, your thoughts might start racing where they come at you like a machine gun just like one thought after the other after the other and you can't focus on something um, you may have a hard time sleeping. Uh, all of these, you know, can be, you may shake, you may, you feel weird tingling sensations. So these are all symptoms of anxiety, which is the best way I know how to, how to explain it, how to describe it. And, um, and I think you, you asked in addition to what is it, was it, what do you do about it? Yeah. How do you battle it? How do you try and overcome it? I mean, there's been so much great resources on this. Uh, I can just share you know, things I've learned through resources, people who've gone before me, it's a really big question. Uh, you know, one thing that I think really helps, and I think this is an area where science is catching up with theology because God told us to do this thousands of years ago in the Word, which is just meditation or mindfulness. You have apps like Headspace. Uh, there, there's just this wave of meditation apps uh applications on the phone applications that are popping up and i this is something god you know told us to meditate on his word thousands of years ago and um i think it's key to defeating anxiety is you know philippians 4 8 you know whatever is true whatever is good whatever is noble whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about these things like dwell on the the good things fill your mind with the things of god and so we don't just meditate on, you know, a white wall or, or thinking about a dot or something. We, we think about and meditate on the creator. We think about uh, the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And we're, we're meditating on the word of God. And I think a daily practice of that is uh, a cure for anxiety. Um as well as, you know, growing in our ability to trust God and uh, and to grow in our ability to trust God is just is, is simply to learn more about who he is and what he desires for us. You're just focusing on God's truth. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. That, I mean, I use apps like Soul Time and Abide would be two uh, that, um, that are different than something like Headspace or Simple Habit. Those ones are uh, faith-based? 
yeah, and since they they focus on the Word of God, uh, but when I've you I have used Headspace before just to you know learn about it, understand what it is, and you know mindfulness is really the opposite of of emptying your mind but filling it, mm. and um, and the same was was true of, of Christianity is like we're not we're never emptying our mind, we're never doing something thoughtlessly, but always filling our mind and renewing our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and so the, the Scripture has so much to say about our minds and what we fill our minds with, what we put in our minds. And even that even that phrase that you used, mindfulness, is a is is being mindful, you know, not mind empty. And so, yes, I think as as believers, you know, we're always we're never meditating on the dot or on the wall or on the clouds, but always on the word of God and the existence of God and the desires of God and the will of God. What are some other things <laughs> that you find yourself recommending to young adults that strengthen faith? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. So one is I, I, I hit on community, like having a small group of people that you meet with on a consistent basis for the purpose of accountability. Uh, and they're, you know, they, they love God and know you and they know God and love you. And they're spurring you on to love God. Hebrews ten twenty five says, do not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but continue to excel still more while we see the day approaching. Um, and then I think the spiritual disciplines which are disciplines, you know, I think we often, this generation, our generation is tempted to think that if something's hard, it's wrong. Well, the spiritual disciplines are discipline. You discipline yourself for godliness, uh, meaning it, it may be difficult. It may not feel good. It may not be fun, but we discipline ourselves to read the word of God. We discipline ourselves to pray. We discipline ourselves to fast. We discipline ourselves to memorize scripture. And so I think the spiritual disciplines and, and understanding that they're disciplines and then lastly, and, and a little bit more open-handed, I would say, you know, I ask people all the time, what makes you love God more? And so often they don't know how to answer that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't know what makes them love God, where they'll say things like, well, reading the Bible and praying and whatnot. And I'm like, eh, that, that's not what I'm asking. You're giving me the Jesus answer. And I'm saying, like, what do you do when you feel the most alive and you, you're able to do it for the glory of God? And it may be man shooting guns or or swimming or walks in the forest or listening to good music or taking a bath and you got to know what that is and sometimes i think the christian life is as simple as you know knowing what that is and doing more of that and also knowing what distracts you from god and doing less of that you know Mm -hmm. and so doing the things that make you love god more and doing less of the things or none of the things that distract you from him that's well put. All right, I want to I want to focus in on conflict a little bit, which I know that you you've spoken about on your podcast. And I know like for me, I have quite a bit of Enneagram 9 in me. I'm a 4, but I have some 9 in me, so I don't love conflict. What are your recommendations for for Christians that are in conflict or have conflicts with their roommates or with a sibling or with a friend? How do you go about talking people through these situations? Man, just the way the Bible does, honestly. I mean, there's, it gives us so much instruction on this topic that we have forsaken. And so Matthew 5 just says, well, I'll just start, you know, Matthew 7, 
remove the log out of your own eye. And so when you're dealing with conflict, understand, you know, what is your part in the conflict? What part can you own? Um, if we're a part of a conflict, we, we have a part in the conflict, most likely. A lot of times we can't see it. That's mm. the whole point of Matthew 7. And so we may need some help for somebody to point out our blind spots or the log in our eye. And then Matthew 5 says, you know, before you leave your gift at the altar to run and be reconciled to your brother. And so to understand that there's a sense of urgency here. Ephesians 4 says, uh, you know, to not let the sun set on your anger. So to really give our conflict a 24-hour boundary to with, with a sense of urgency to be reconciled. Like this, this really matters to God. Um, and then Matthew 18 really tells us how. And it says that we go to the person, we tell them in private. We don't talk to other people. We go to them directly. Uh, we don't call them or email them, but we we phone them. In fact, I, I read a chapter on this this morning. I'm, I'm writing a book, Survival Guide. Welcome to Adulting Survival Guide. And I, I read this chapter this morning where I just talked about you don't, you don't use technology, but Matthew 18 says you go directly to them face to face and you say you hurt me by you know or mm. or i think you sinned by and and you're really clear and just be direct you don't vent to somebody else you don't ask somebody if you should go to them you just you go straight to them and if they if they listen you won them over if they don't then you you take somebody else with you and uh you you allow a mediator to be there as well to kind of help in case there's something lost in you know translation or language barrier and if they if you they if you they listen then you won them over and if they don't then you go to the to church leadership and you say okay we need y'all's help here um in reconciling this because we know this really matters to god bring that person to a a leader in the church not go individually i I think about it like a like you think about like an octagon like an mma fighting ring or a boxing ring i'm like Man, anybody that I'm going to talk to about that conflict, I'm going to pull them in the ring mm. and keep everybody that needs to be in the ring in the ring until we're all able to to walk out of the ring peacefully. But I'm not going to no one off conversations. Those are really detrimental to um, preserving peace. Yeah. And Ephesians four three says that we're to be diligent at preserving the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Like be diligent. Like work hard at. Like it's something that requires a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Something that you're often asked about is is dating for young adults. What what are your key talking points for young adults who are dating and trying to find their significant other? I think, man, so much of what I've done for the past twelve years is is just taught something, taught an alternative to the world's ways. And what's crazy about the world and our culture is it presumes to be really good at dating when in reality it's really bad at dating. And so when we, we want to date for looks, we want to date for a good time. Uh, we want to, we want to date for fun. All of this leads to broken heart and divorce at the highest divorce rate we've ever seen. And so we got to, we got to start with, gosh, we're not getting better at this. We have more apps. We have Tinder and Bumble and match.com and, all, all kinds of resources to help us. We have personality tests, Strengths Finder, and DIST, and Myers Briggs, and Enneagram, and Lion, Otter, Beaver, and yet we have we're getting worse and worse at being compatible. And so I think changing our expectations is more than half the battle. To really understand, like I'm a broken sinner, 
and anybody that I would be on a date with is a broken sinner. And the only way for broken sinners to remain together is to be selfless towards one another. And I have to have Christ first in the relationship. I have to be well married to Christ. I have to have a, a set of values that I'm yielded to, that, that I find somebody who's also yielded to the same set of values, 2 Corinthians 6.14, to be equally yoked uh, to someone who is a believer. And if we, we start with those basics, I mean, we were halfway through the battle, I think, or maybe even more than halfway through the, through the challenges. So it's like, be, be a Christian, like love Jesus. Then find a Christian, someone who loves Jesus. And if you want to be married, then marry them and, uh, you know, have children and raise those children to know God. And I don't think life is more complicated than that. We make it so complicated. But God says in the garden, Genesis 1, you'll be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And it's the first great commission that God wants us, you know, not to be alone, to to find someone of the opposite sex, to to marry them and to have lots of babies and to raise those babies to know him. And I mean, that's that's his desire for us. And if we're called to singleness, which is also a noble calling, it's the, it's the one Jesus had on his life, the Apostle Paul, too. Then in Matthew 19, he says, be single for the sake of the kingdom uh, so that we may you know pursue him and bring others to pursue him. And so those are our two options. And it's not difficult, but we're trying to find somebody we have chemistry with and that we're attracted to and and uh and and we're not very good at that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm I'm thirty and I've seen quite a few of my friends already become part of the divorce statistic. Are uh, you are you married? I am married. I have uh two little girls and I have one oh, little awesome. boy on the way, man. So awesome, I mean, awesome. yeah. And but and I think I think there's something, you know, a lot of people are like I think single people are like, well, married people can't speak into this which a couple things like don't forget that we were single and two i think in some ways they're the best people to speak into this because they can tell you like hey marriage is not going to satisfy you it's not going to fulfill you and having gone through it now or, or being in it now i realize even how much more wisdom there is in finding a young woman who just loves god and and you know when he says he says beauty is fleeting and charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I, there's so much wisdom in that verse. My, my wife is beautiful. I mean, she is by the grace of God. Uh, but that's that's icing on the cake. You know, that's that is uh, if if she wasn't, but she loved God, uh, that, that her looks. I know that her looks are going to fade. Right. I mean, that's just the reality is, is I've never been attracted to an 80 year old. And I hope one day. <laughs> I hope one day my wife's going to be 80, you know, I just yeah. I do. And she won't be the first ever attractive 80 year old that ever lived. I, I mean, I'm just I'm just a realist. So, yeah, yeah. People who aren't married don't understand the struggles of marriage. Marriage is a beautiful thing, but it's also um, very tough. Yeah. 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 I'm curious, Challenge. man. Have you always been a great communicator since you were young or is that something you kind of cultivated from the pulpit? Oh man, well, I appreciate the compliment. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, you know, I remember presenting in anatomy class in high school, and my teacher paid me a compliment there. And and then I was in sales and did kind of business presentations. But I do, I think it is something that. So like now, I really enjoy developing communicators and spend a lot of my time developing communicators. And I do think it is something that can be taught, and um, and I think it's something that we grow in. Uh, and the way that we grow is we get good feedback. Like we have to have somebody that will be honest with us and say, hey, here's what you did well, and here's where you can improve. 
and that that's half the battle there just to, to growing in our abilities to communicate is to have someone giving us really good feedback every single time we do it and then also just getting reps and I mm. think people like when they think man I want to be a teacher or preacher or communicator they think in the, about the big stages but really every opportunity every podcast every small group meeting every meeting you know is an opportunity to communicate and we can we can grow in our abilities even in those smaller settings yeah what are some of the bigger points that you make to those those students who are trying to enhance their their communication skills so you have the you have getting feedback from people practicing it often not just on the big stages what are some other key points that you you try and make yeah i think you know have an outline so I, I, I preach from an outline, and so I know kind of the format of the talk I'm going to write every time. Like if I had to write a talk in 15 minutes right now, I could because I do image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion. And so those are the first words I write down on a, on a piece of paper, image, subject, need, preview, text, summary, conclusion. Mm. And, uh, and I just fill in the blanks. And so the image is I start with a compelling image, like something, a funny story or, or something interesting to grab their attention. Uh, subject is what we're going to be talking about. Preview is kind of the three points that I'm going to give them under the subject. Uh, the text is you know, the Bible. Um, and then I'll do three points, point one, point two, point three. Summary is my preview again. And then the conclusion is kind of a closing image to put a bow on all of it. And so that, that, that outline really uh, helps to bring clarity to the message. Uh, tell them what you're going to tell them. That's the preview. Tell them. That's the three points. And then tell them what you told them. That's the summary. Um, start with, you know, just some something that captivates people's attention. You only have, you know, 15 to 30 seconds to really capture their attention where they're going to decide if they listen to you or not. You know, mm -hmm. I believe that. I think people remember things in threes. And so I always teach three points, almost always a three-point message. So those are just some principles that come to mind right off the bat yeah that's gold right there for all the listeners if you're a, a communicator or a preacher or anything like that that is gold right there i'm gonna have to go back and rewind that one and uh take some notes sweet man Hello. jp this was this was awesome where can people find you online yeah so harriscreek.org is our website and uh my email is leadership at harriscreek.org goes to me uh, Twitter is at J Pacluda, Instagram at J Pacluda. Pacluda is P as in Paul, O K L is in Lewis, U D is in David, A. Um, I've had the privilege of, of writing a book, Welcome to Adulting, that has become a bestseller recently, which is just praise God, man. Yeah, man, I read it. It's amazing. Doing, doing, doing fun stuff like that, and then I'm I'm writing a 42 day uh, prayer guide. Speaking of mindfulness. I'm writing a 42-day prayer guide to go with it that, that will be coming out uh, here in the upcoming months. And so that's been fun. But, man, I'm, I'm really grateful, man, just to, to get to wrap with you on the show. And, Nick, thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on, man. Dude, thank you. It was absolutely my pleasure. We appreciate you, man. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast. Also, a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. 
And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to capitalfloats.com and use the promo code Life Enchanted with no spaces at checkout. If you're in Northern California, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Please remember that I am not a doctor, so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com, or you can find me on Instagram at mylifeenchanted. Peace.